30, flirty, and thriving. Why, the 30s are the best years of your life. I want to be 30. <laughs> well, you will be, honey. But right now, you're my beautiful 13-year-old. Welcome to the Graveyard Slot, where we talk about movies past their prime time. Here, we revisit old favorites with a fresh perspective to see if they deserve more hype or if they should stay buried. I'm Sarah. And I'm Sohini, and today we're talking about 13 Going on 30. 13 Going on 30 tells the story of Jenna Rink, a 13-year-old trying to navigate typical teenage struggles like popularity, friendships, and body image. All she wants is to be older and leave her awkward face behind, and one day she gets her wish when she wakes up transformed into her 30-year-old self. The movie was released in 2004, and it was directed by Gary Winnick, who went on to direct movies like Bride Wars and Letters to Juliet. We wanted to talk about this movie because it's pretty beloved. I think most of us saw this when we were younger and have quite fond memories of it. But looking back, reviews weren't exactly raving, so we'd like to take a more objective look as adults now and see where 13 Going on 30 excelled and where it falls short and earned those lukewarm reviews. One I've got is from Variety. It reads... A star vehicle composed of second-hand parts that nevertheless gets great mileage and big laughs from its recycled plot. I think this review is pretty fair, but again, I'm always of the opinion that it's more important how you execute a plot than it is how original the actual plot is. But again, it's not unwarranted. Yeah, I agree with you there, and I think this is a common theme across a lot of the movies that we have looked at and plan on looking at, is that the plot isn't necessarily the most original thing in the world, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily take away from the overall quality of the movie. And actually, the review I found also had a similar comment on the story. It's from a website called Eye for Film, and it says, the sheer predictability of the plot means it doesn't really stand up to the scrutiny of anyone older than 15. Well... Last time I checked, <laughs> I am older than 15. <laughs> and <laughs> to me, it does hold up because there are plenty of other merits to this movie. So I think even though it's true, the plot isn't exactly super creative, it's easy enough to look past that. Yeah, and you know, I don't always put that much worth in whether or not a movie is predictable i can't give less of a shit about it <laughs> i mean i watch my favorite movies time and time again and i know what happens every time but because of how well it's crafted it always lands and again with movies that's based on stories that most people know the point isn't that you don't know what's gonna happen it's that the story and characters are well-written enough that you care that what you see on screen is actually happening to them. Yeah, and in my opinion, it's better for the story to be predictable and audiences can see where it's going. Yes, exactly. Rather than a movie that tries to pull the rug out from under you and... They're just looking for shock value. Yeah, they try to outsmart audiences and it ends up blindsiding them instead and makes for often makes for plots that don't really make any sense. sense yeah it's nonsensical so i would rather have the predictability for sure so i've actually only seen this movie once or twice before this when i was really young I know a lot of people kind of grew up on this movie, but when I was a kid, I was really freaked out by this movie. For some reason, I found it really unnerving. And I guess just this idea of being a child thrust into the scary adult world without anyone to count on was <laughs> terrifying. I guess like it gave me an existential crisis. <laughs> so I never watched it again after the first or second time. So I don't actually have that much personal, you know, emotional connection to it. 
I have sort of a similar experience. I don't really have any prominent memories of watching this movie. So I saw it at some point and I enjoyed it and I watched it again a couple of times here and there. Yeah, this is like one of your favorites, right? Or maybe not a favorite, but a movie you really like. Yeah, a movie I really like. <laughs> let's not get we'll let's see. not get too personal <laughs> we don't say the f word that easily here <laughs> i think for the past couple episodes we have used that word a lot <laughs> by f of course we've been favorite we say fuck all the time <laughs> yeah that's a different matter <laughs> so the movie opens with jenna at school and we meet two characters who are going to be pretty important to the plot one of them being matt jenna's best friend and the other one being tom tom who is the leader of the six chicks yeah the popular clique at school yeah i like jenna's personality that we see actually she's not exactly the shy girl she's just not popular is all and you know a little awkward because of her age but she's actually pretty outgoing and confident like she talks to the popular girls as if they're friends i was actually a little confused <laughs> and then i realized you know they're only talking to her to get her to do their homework but jenna's got a distinct enough personality and i really like that i think as a child i probably would have found her quite personable but watching it again now i found her more infuriating than anything really <laughs> just because we as an audience have more insight and can tell that the six chicks are obviously trying to take advantage of her. So with Jenna, I was like, please just realize who your real friend is. And I think that's what I like about her character. It's not that I like her as a person. It's that I find it really refreshing that we're not just following, you know, the usual shy girl that we get in every other movie. Every other protagonist seems to need to be that relatable girl. But this one is just... Let's be honest, she's the most embarrassing of us all. The ones where in middle school, we were kind of just following around the girl that we thought was cool. And in actuality, <laughs> it was kind of really embarrassing. So I like that about her. And it obviously works out well because this is kind of the person she's becoming, right? This is her turning into that awful Jenna that she becomes as an adult. So it's good that these traits are already present right now because obviously the point of this movie is for her to not become that awful Jenna. Yeah, as a character, I agree with you. I think she has a very distinct personality and we see this more and more as the movie progresses. Like when she's getting ready for her 13th birthday party, her whole room is just full of personality and it's a really nice way of showing who she is as a person yeah for sure i like matt here as well especially his line where he goes there can't be a seventh six chick it's just so <laughs> funny <laughs> I just, I really like him and I really like their friendship. To me, it feels pretty true to life. Yes, definitely. And their friendship is established so well that I have absolutely no trouble believing that they would later fall in love as adults. Yeah, for sure. Matt is already halfway there, <laughs> even as a 13-year-old. But it's actually her 13th birthday. Yes. And her parents come in with a video camera. And I think this is also pretty relatable. Like they're being a little bit embarrassing, like taking a video of her during like, I guess her private time or whatever. Yeah, she's getting ready for the party. Yeah. And they did a really good job of making that relationship and time in her life pretty real. Yeah. The way the parents just come barging in without knocking and they shove a video camera 
in her face. And I love that line where Jenna says something along the lines of, this isn't all right, it's fatal. <laughs> I love that line because I think it's just so realistic to that age where these little things seem like they're the end of the world. Yeah, for sure. But we see Jenna's flipping through these magazines and she reads this phrase, 30 and flirty and thriving, and that's, you know, kind of what she aspires to be. Yeah, and I honestly really love this because we're often told that the 20s are the best years of our life. So the fact that this movie almost glorifies the 30s and we get a reality check later on when Jenna actually is transplanted into her 30s, but the fact that it's the 30s for a change that is seen with a bit of a rose-tinted view, I think that's really refreshing. Yeah, I actually was a little surprised. Obviously, I know she's gonna turn 30 and whatever, but when I read that, I'm like, oh, that's not usually what you get. But yeah, I'm like, what magazine is she reading? <laughs> <laughs> So now we get the birthday party. Before the party actually starts, Matt brings over his birthday present for Jenna. And he has built her a take on the Barbie dream house. It's filled with miniatures of all the things that Jenna loves. And I think it's such a lovely present. It is so sweet. When I saw that, my heart melted. I was like, if a boy did that for me, I would lose it. <laughs> And you can see that Jenna really appreciates it as well. I don't know. I think she does at first. Yeah, on the spot she does. But it's just that other things come to overshadow that for her. It's because she cares about how other people think of her, especially mm -hmm. the six chicks. And that's why she, you know, hides it away. But on their own, she actually really cares about it. Actually, the way that she hides it away is pretty indicative of the way she also keeps her real personality hidden. Yeah, I agree. Which is a big contrast with Matt because when the party actually starts and the six chicks have arrived, he's just playing his own music and just dancing. He just does not care. I love him so much. <laughs> I do too. Now that the six chicks are here, Jenna is actually pretty rude to Matt because the six chicks are being pretty rude to Matt to the point where she actually kind of throws him out. And, you know, it's not only mean, but also embarrassing because she just parrots the thing that the six chicks said to him earlier at school. And it's so cringy. You know, she's kind of making herself the butt of the six chicks joke in the same moment. She's not just embarrassing Matt, she's embarrassing herself as well. Not that she understood that. I got such secondhand embarrassment from that line. Even at this stage, all she does is copy other people's ideas and parrots them. And we see that this is true for her success in the future as well, when she's an awful adult. That's a great point. But they lie to her and say that they want to play Seven Minutes in Heaven and hide her away in the closet with a blindfold on. And while she's in there, the six chicks take the homework that she had done for them and bail. Now here's what I want to point out. They don't only do this, but they also steal her food. Really? That's just low. Yeah, they took like some of her snacks and everything that's laid out and just took off with it. I did not notice that. <laughs> I did notice one of the guys was standing there the whole time just eating. <laughs> He's like, I'm not part of this. I just want to eat. Apart from the mean smirking and everything, he was a bit of a mood. <laughs> Tag yourself, I'm the guy eating chips in the background. <laughs> so yes, I guess they steal her food and they bail. And Jenna realizes that everyone has left and she blames Matt for it. Which I understand 
I think it's mean. I think it's wrong. But I understand like your mindset as a child where like everything was fine and then you came back. Like what the hell did she do? You know, she's so scared of what the six chicks think of her. I think it's just something that's pretty real to someone that age. Yeah, even though as an older viewer, it seems really unfair. And the instinct is to just be annoyed at Jenna. Like, what are you doing? Matt is obviously the good guy here. I think as a teenager, that is really relatable when you're just trying to navigate these really complicated relationships. And yeah, I think it's a very true-to-life depiction of what being a teenager is like. And a preteen, especially. Yes. So she gets angry at Matt and locks herself in the closet. And there she sits and wishes that she were 30 and flirty and thriving. And moments later... Her wish comes true. Yeah. I really like that she has the blindfold in the closet and a sleeping mask when she wakes up in the future. I think it's a nice touch. Yes. And I think the fabric is the same as well. I really liked that touch. Yeah, it's really similar. There are so many great details in this movie, honestly. Mm -hmm. We see Jenna trying to figure out like what the hell is happening and she's in this adult body and the actor does such an amazing job playing a 13 year old in an adult's body this was pretty much the consensus in many reviews as well that her acting was really impressive and one of if not the greatest thing about this movie her freak out and seeing herself in an unrecognizable body in the mirror seems really genuine and even the somewhat over-the-top and comical expressions are grounded enough by the fact that it's true to the reaction someone her actual age would have. And obviously, like, this is a pretty <laughs> severe <laughs> change. <laughs> and especially the way she moves is a big part of her acting in this character. An excellent example is when she slumps forward towards the floor when she's on a chair it's these things that are, as a kid, it's natural enough to do. But when you're an adult, it's much more awkward and gainly to do in a large body. I actually noticed that moment too. And the moment right after where the phone rings and the way she gets up is so awkward. You can almost feel her struggle in moving around in an adult's body. The actress's physicality is just really great. She truly embodies this 13-year-old character in a 30-year-old's body. Yeah, and it stays consistent throughout the entire movie. Yeah. Another moment in the sequence is, so her boyfriend is actually there, and obviously she doesn't know who he is. But there's this scene where she pops open an umbrella right as her boyfriend takes off his towel. And it was actually really smooth, and they did it well enough that it was entertaining and fun to see on screen instead of just a cheap joke or even, you know, halting and forced. That moment and once like it really made the movie fun for me. Yeah, and I think it's little touches like this that add charm and humor and make for quite an entertaining watch, even if you know where the story is going. Yeah. So at this point, Jenna is freaking out. And to escape from her perspective, the strange man, she leaves. And outside, she's greeted by this woman who ushers her into this car. And we find out that she is Jenna's co-worker, Lucy. They arrive at work, which turns out to be at the magazine Poise, which Jenna was reading earlier on. Yeah, she's going into a meeting and she's in her negligee and a coat. And the entire time, I couldn't get over it. I'd be <laughs> mortified. She looks very cute, though. <laughs> yeah, somehow she pulls it off. I mean, I wouldn't wear it to a meeting, but it's really cute. 
I love how she treats being at work like being in school. She writes her name at the top corner of her page. She throws the balled up note at the receptionist. And raises her hand. Yeah. And she asks if she can go to the bathroom. Yes. <laughs> I think those are such great touches to show that she is still that 13 year old inside. I mean, even right after that, she tries to hail a cab and she doesn't know how to hail a cab. It's like, it's these little things that you still don't know how to do as a kid that you don't really think about, but the movie really brings that to life. I love that aspect of this movie. Yeah, and I felt so sympathetic for her. Once again, I think Jennifer Garner really pulls off this role. God, she's amazing. So eventually she manages to get a cab and she arrives at Matt's place. And obviously they're not friends anymore. It's been however many years. Not obviously. I think that's a huge shock actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely a huge shock to Jenna to find out mm -hmm. that she is no longer friends with Matt. Yeah, this scene really hit me. I felt just as lost and panicked as Jenna. The idea of losing touch with your childhood best friend is so sad. Not to mention when you're still a kid, you think you'll forever be just as close to this person. And hey, so far, you've stuck together through everything, literally your entire life because you've only been alive for around a decade. It's painful enough to go through that distance and separation in real time, you know, either you're growing up or you're moving away or you go to college, whatever it is. But to have it all happen at once, going from the belief that you'll have your best friend forever to jumping instantly to the reality of not even having any sort of relationship with them, it's so jarring because you don't have those years to slowly understand this reality. And I absolutely love the way they seem to convey the severity and gravity of that predicament. Like, they don't really play it off as just a joke. I felt for Jenna so much in that moment. Yeah, and... Sorry, I'm just going through an internal crisis because I'm like, that is sad. <laughs> See, this is part of why this movie unnerved me as a kid. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. They take this broken friendship aspect really seriously. And after the initial shock, I think they build on it really well. In the beginning, when Jenna rings the doorbell and she has this whole monologue about the math that she used to know. And obviously that information is really outdated because yeah. she skipped everything in the middle. But then his knowledge about her is also outdated, but for a completely different reason in that they're not in each other's lives anymore. So just that contrast makes it hit even harder. I think it's really interesting how they build a lot of the core of their friendship in these scenes when they're adults looking back to the past. Because I don't think it's particularly remarkable the way they wrote these two in the scenes in the 80s. But that well of love is so apparent here and the history that has passed is what fuels it instead of seeing those moments happen on screen in the earlier sequences. Yeah, that's a really great point. And actually, it's a testament to how well they wrote these characters' relationships that were convinced of Jenna's loss when she finds out that they're not friends as adults anymore. It always feels like they genuinely had a really close time. Yeah. Even though we only see a scene and a half of them together as kids, I don't have any trouble believing that they were best friends. Yeah, and they also don't just tell us, they really show it. Mm -hmm. And they do it when they're adults. It's like this bittersweet longing for something. They do such a good job. And again, the actors obviously did such a good job. I just really love how they portray this friendship. Specifically, the way she looks at him when they're saying goodbye and do the Arya thing. Yes. 
it made me want to cry. There's just so much affection there and the pure playfulness and care in something as mundane and real as kids having a stupid way of routinely saying goodbye, how that's mostly just confined to friendships when you're young is so bittersweet especially knowing this ease and lightheartedness with each other is something they've lost. I just broke my heart. I just, this yes. movie makes me so sad. That is such a genuine moment between the two. And imagining Matt's perspective, especially not having seen Jenna in 15 years, understandably, there's a hesitance in him being close to her again, but he still drops her off. He still does their goodbye routine thing, even though they haven't been in each other's lives in so long. He still cares about her. Yeah, it's like it's this inability to resist Jenna's care once it comes back into its life because there's so much that has happened and he's known Jenna to become maybe a rather callous person or a person that isn't deserving of this kind of generosity from his end. But seeing the 13-year-old best friend suddenly come back, it must be so bittersweet and heartbreaking and he just, he can't resist. He has to do the goodbye thing right back because that's just what you do. Yeah. Well, I wasn't expecting to be sad. <laughs> but now I'm sad. <sighs> All right. So later that night, Jenna has a work party and... And she's getting ready. Yeah. First of all, I need to mention the closet. She has this huge closet and obviously she works in fashion. So, you know, it's not a surprise, but that's what I want from this universe. She has so many clothes and shoes and makeup. It's just so pretty and I want it so bad. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that would be a great place to spend even a whole day. For sure. It looks like such a fun collection as well. It's very colorful and yeah. bright, just like her personality. I wonder if adult Jenna is actually not that far off from this youthful look that she ends up going for during this body swap moment. Like, is that why people aren't that surprised by her choices? Because usually she's dressed similarly anyway, maybe not to the same extent in the sense of, you know, how useful her choices are. But I wonder if like adult Jenna usually also dresses, you know, in lots of colors and really playful. Yeah, maybe it's not very far off. Maybe adult Jenna learned to embrace her own personality and not be so afraid to show it off as a 30-year-old. Yeah. An iconic look from this movie is her get-up for the party. It's very playful and bright. The most useful of this ensemble is the hairdo and butterfly necklace, I think. It's really fascinating how they managed to convey her age through her taste and walk that line of it coming off as very childish and also mature and almost inappropriate because obviously this is an adult woman and she looks amazing, but there are features of the dress that on a kid would just be fun details, but on an adult, this dress is quite revealing. It's pretty, but it's far from innocent. And I just really like how they did that because like Jenna doesn't have that awareness yet, or at least not as much of it as adult Jenna would have. And this is present for the rest of the movie as well. She chooses these really fun and playful clothes, but they're also the kind of clothes that a kid would find really innocent, but on an adult, it comes off quite differently. And it's such an interesting way of showing this balance between young Jenna and adult Jenna in one body. That's a really great take. I didn't think of it from that perspective. Whoever did makeup and wardrobe on this movie, that's such a good job because even later on, she wears these, I guess like camisole tops or like braided corsets 
and she has lace underneath and it's like a little peak of the bra and like later on when the married man accosts her it falls off her shoulder if she's an actual adult it would look very provocative and whatnot but you can see it's just messy on her and you can tell she chose all of these outfits because they're playful and they're creative and they're fun but on an adult it comes off very differently and it's just one of my favorite things about this movie it's so well done yeah true it's just that she has a very different mindset while choosing these outfits than an actual adult would have yeah they never let us forget that she's 13 and i love it yeah and it shines through in every aspect about her probably from you know the actor's portrayal to makeup and wardrobe to even dialogue (laughs) everything for sure but one thing that i did not get is that we finally get to the party and she like grabs food and eats it and whatever but she keeps thoughtlessly throwing bits of it over her shoulder and i don't understand why (laughs) she's 13 years old she's not five who doesn't know what a trash can is i'm still (laughs) i'm honestly i'm so confused yeah and she keeps targeting the same guy throughout the evening and it keeps (laughs) hitting the same guy This might be one of those few moments where it's less about showing her character and more just for the laugh. (laughs) (laughs) It is very fun to see. But they're at this party and it's not doing very well. People are starting to leave. It's quite unsuccessful. The thing about this party that I don't get is, like, I don't understand why it sucks. Jenna and, to use Matt's words from earlier in this movie, her crowd, are supposed to be big partiers. So why were they unable to throw a good party? I understand it's supposed to be because Poise as a brand has gone downhill, Mm -hmm. and this is a manifestation of that. But I don't think that means an inability to throw a good party when you've got people like Jenna and Lucy who, you know, usually this kind of thing is forte yeah i don't know what it could be i don't know what is tripping them up there's food there's music (laughs) there's a great venue apart from jenna throwing food around it's a pretty good vibe so i i don't know (laughs) i don't know what is causing the party to fail maybe it's that poise isn't all that creative anymore down to you know things like this yeah if we think about it maybe this is one in a string of attempts to try and revive poise's brand and maybe this is the same kind of thing they've been doing for a long time yeah And so people are just... Bored of it by now. I mean, free food though. (laughs) (laughs) They should have invited us. We would have lemoned up the party. (laughs) (laughs) No, we would have been that guy who goes, eats all the food and just leaves. (laughs) We don't need Jenna to be relatable. We already got our most relatable character. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what that guy's name is. Like Chris's friend or something. (laughs) Chip guy number two. Chip. Chip. (laughs) It's not as Chip. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah, uh, so Jenna has this idea to enliven the party. She starts dancing to Thriller. Mm -hmm. And actually, Matt is also there because Jenna invited him earlier. And even though he said he wasn't going to show up, once again, we see his inability, like you said, to resist. The two of them start dancing and eventually, one by one, all the guests join in. Yeah. The part where she convinces and drags Matt to dance is so fun and entertaining. I really enjoy how Jenna's energetic personality is offset by Matt's more reserved attitude. Yes. And I love how this totally flips the earlier party on its head. Oh my god, you're right! Because earlier on, it was Matt dancing and Jenna was the one being really self-conscious. I didn't even think of that. That's great. 
this is also another instance where her age informs her actions because mm. she's just young enough to not be overly self-conscious to do something like this. You know, during her 13th birthday party, she's not as free. But, you know, it's a different setting. She doesn't know these people. She doesn't have any need for these people to think a certain way about her. I don't know if I entirely agree. I think it's more that she's gained this confidence from suddenly being 30 because I think a big part of her insecurity earlier on was who she was as a 13 year old. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. But as a 30 year old, she has everything she could ever want, which is something she actually articulates when she learns more about her life. I feel like it's less that she doesn't want these people's validation. It's that she feels like she has it already. And combined with this confidence, her personality really shines through. That's a good point. What struck me is that Lucy didn't join in the dance until other people had already joined. And mm. she could tell that this thing was going to be a success. Because if she were really Jenna's friend, I feel like she would have joined in earlier on and supported her whether other people did or not. But I think we get a good indication that looking out for Jenna is not her priority. Yeah, for sure. I can totally see that. But Matt ends up leaving in the middle of the dance. And I don't quite understand what triggers him to leave. I think it hits him how absurd the situation is. Looking at things from his perspective, they don't talk to each other for 15 years. One day, randomly, she appears on his doorstep. And the next thing he knows, he's dancing with her, doing this routine they used to do together as kids. The fact that it's like almost nothing has changed realistically would be a lot for anyone to process. Yeah, for sure. So later on, we see her and Lucy out at a bar. And, you know, I really like that they have her befriend this girl at her apartment building who's also 13 years old and how she thinks the cute guy at the bar is the kid. Or I guess it's not a bar if a kid is there. <laughs> <laughs> But these are the people she relates to and sees as her peers, you know? I'm just really, really glad that this movie never forgets about her being 13. I think it's easy to just let her be a 30-year-old and have her navigate this new life. That the fish-out-of-water story is driven mostly by her not being familiar with her own life. But the fact that the age and her maturity is always the driving force of her actions was the consistency that they did a really great job with. That's a great point. And despite the fact that mentally she's a child, the fact that she also does really well at work and forms these really great interpersonal relationships goes to show just what a great person she is. Yeah, the work thing though. <laughs> One of the only parts that's hard to believe for me is how Jenna can survive her job. Mm. It's just, I'd be so lost. To be thrown into the editor of a magazine that's kind of struggling and it seems like she's heading a lot of the projects. It's hard for me to believe that she can cope with that. Well, I don't know if you noticed, Sarah, but she read magazine editing for dummies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did notice that. I even have it on my notes. I say, I know she reads that dummies book, but still. <laughs> yeah, we don't really see her struggling too much. She seems to fall into place pretty quickly and might have been a little bit more realistic to see her struggle. Yeah, she also like leaves all the time. She goes to her parents' place. Or maybe that was a weekend, whatever. But <laughs> I had the same thought process because the day after the party, we see her at the park and I was thinking, shouldn't you be at work? And then I was like, yeah. okay, maybe it's a Saturday. <laughs> maybe by accident, she ends up at school. <laughs> 
Actually, that would be pretty believable. Like one morning, she just wakes up and starts getting ready for school. And then on her way there, she's like, oh, wait. (laughs) So yes, we were just with Jenna and Lucy at the bar. So as they're leaving, they run into Matt. And he is with a woman who turns out to be his fiancée, Wendy. This is another pretty big shock to Jenna. And Jenna's boyfriend is also there. And she introduces Wendy to him as Matt's friend. Okay, to me, I felt like that was more coming from Matt. And Jenna was just confused. Yeah, true. I don't think it was malicious on Jenna's part. I think she's shocked that Matt has a fiancé just because she still sees them as kids. So in her head, it's like 13-year-old Matt having a (laughs) fiancé. I think what you sensed might have been hesitation on Matt's part to move to Chicago with Wendy because Mm. that comes up. So I think that's where the tension is coming from. You're right. You're right. You know, I felt so betrayed finding out about Matt's fiance. <laughs> really? Yeah, I I didn't remember this aspect of the story. But also, it's really disorienting that your best friend got engaged without you knowing. In real life, seeing something like that on social media or through word of mouth, how someone you used to be friends with is suddenly getting married is already such a specific feeling. It makes you think about how maybe you've lost touch with them or how maybe you're at such different stages or whatever it is that reframes your perspective around your own life. But again, this is another heightened version of that very real feeling where instead of how it's as if the years flew by and you were just kids and best friends not that long ago, they literally were just kids and best friends and in the blink of an eye, one of them is getting married without the other one knowing. I think they did such a great job at conveying an extreme of the situation with Jenna's predicament. Yeah, and the fact that you felt betrayed finding out about Matt's fiance, I think that goes to show that the movie did a really good job of putting us in Jenna's position because we feel for her. I guess it's like a fantasy version of losing touch with your friend and one (laughs) day your friends and the next day you know nothing about their lives yeah and it's not like feeling betrayed because of any romantic possibility between jenna and matt you thought you would be with them yeah exactly okay this is a very small thing but there's the scene where she goes to lucy and lucy's like smoking but it seems like she's still getting her cigarette ready and she never really lights it she just holds on to it for such a long time and then when she comes back to lucy lucy's putting it back in her purse and she's not putting it back in the pack i'm just like did she just put a lit cigarette back in her bag or an unlit cigarette back in her bag it's still weird that you would do that even if it's unlit i was just so confused the entire time i'm just watching lucy with her lone cigarette (laughs) i'm like just smoke already or just just do something maybe lucy just knew that jenna was actually a 13 year old she didn't want to be smoking around kids she's just responsible that way yep Everyone knows Lucy's the real hero of this story. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very far reach. (laughs) She's quite the environmentalist anyway, if she's not throwing cigarettes around. Like Jenna, just throwing food around. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. See, anyway, you look at it, Lucy's much better. (laughs) Actually, that might not be too far off because we find out about some pretty terrible things that adult Jenna has been doing at work. 
we get a series of messages Jenna receives from people that she's stolen ideas from. And then we overhear Lucy talking to another coworker about how Jenna stole someone's idea and then fired them. And so we get a pretty good indication that 30-year-old Jenna was maybe not the best person. Yeah, and she was having an affair with a married man. Yeah, so 13-year-old in the 30-year-old body of Jenna is pretty shocked to learn about all this. And she seeks out Matt. I guess Matt is like her go-to comfort person because he's the only person she truly knows. But also, it's because when she was 13, Matt was the person she always went to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's still the case for her, at least. Yeah, it's kind of like an old habit. Yeah, or not even an old habit. It's just her habit right now because, you know, two days ago, she was still 13. (laughs) Yeah, true. For Matt, it must be pretty painful because this is a past that he's left behind that keeps knocking on his door over and over. Literally. During work days. (laughs) Oh my god, in in the background, what we don't see is Matt just keeps having to stop his work. He's like, oh my god, I thought Jenna was a busy editor. What is she doing here again? <laughs> like, at least wait until the end of the workday or like the weekends. Yeah, he's like, not all of us can have ice cream on a Wednesday afternoon, Jenna. <laughs> yeah, some of us aren't rich as fuck. Some of us are paying for like 50 people to have dinner in two weeks, Jenna. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, they go on a walk and they talk and we also find out that Matt is getting married in like two weeks, but it doesn't even sound like Matt likes his fiance all that much. Why does he even want to marry her if he doesn't believe in all that lovey-dovey bullshit anymore? He can still be with Wendy without getting married. I don't understand why Matt is getting married. I guess we don't really know their reason for having a wedding, but I'm sure the movie wants us to believe it's for, you know, the usual conventional reasons. So it's hard for me to get past why he's even marrying this girl he seems so apathetic towards. A part of me wonders if this apathy started when Jenna reappeared in his life. Oh. I think it would be understandable how he suddenly becomes unsure because I'm sure all of his feelings come rushing back when he sees Jenna again after so long. Yeah, but even during this walk, Jenna is asking him about like, have you ever felt that in love feeling or whatever? Something to that effect. And Matt is just like, oh, you kind of have to let go of that idea and face the reality that love isn't always like that, which is a reasonable enough stance to have. But the way he says it, it's like, Woody's fine, I guess. It's not that recently, like, the relationship has turned stale or, like, you know, the fire burned out and now what they have for each other is a deep well of care that they're nurturing and building onto, you know, to build this marriage. It's that it never happened in the first place. He was never into her. Like, she just popped up in his life and he was like, okay. (laughs) He was just too polite to say no. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, definitely. I feel like Matt turned into the cynical guy who doesn't believe in love because he basically got his heart broken and traumatized by Jenna. Yeah, fair enough. I can see how that experience with Jenna would have turned him into the cynical person. I also don't necessarily get the impression that he's 
indifferent towards Wendy because I feel like maybe he's just reluctant to talk about this with Jenna. Ah, true. And maybe you're right that he doesn't really have deep feelings for her, but maybe that's what makes this whole thing more tragic. We know how this alternate universe ends with him deciding to go on and marry Wendy and the fact that he believes that he can't really have that one true love that he once thought he had in Jenna. I think it shows that it's had a really lasting impact on him and it's sort of changed him as a person. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely what I think is happening. And like, it's not even just that he thought us one true love was Jenna. It's just that Jenna was one of his first real crushes or like the person that he had real deep feelings for. And that went so poorly that he couldn't try it again it's not necessarily that she was the one who was supposed to be his one true love it's just that she put such a bitter taste in his mouth in regards to that kind of relationship yeah you're right but during this walk he tells jenna about how they drifted apart basically she became one of the six chicks the seventh six chicks so you know take that young man (laughs) And how she just stopped talking to him and they never became friends again after her 13th birthday. A part of me is convinced that Jenna would throw away her friendship with Matt in exchange for popularity. Because they established well enough how important this is to her in the beginning of the movie. But once again, it's mature viewer me who is internally screaming at Jenna to not throw away something that so many people look for in their lives, which is a true bond with someone in exchange for something that will dissipate in a couple years' time and that has no real bearing on the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. But it's like you said, when you're that young, you think these things are bigger deals than they actually are. Yeah. But so Jenna is very upset and she goes home. And the thing is, she hasn't talked to her parents in a while, or at least adult Jenna hasn't, so they don't have a close relationship. But she visits her old house and she goes to the basement and it looks different. And she goes back to the closet and starts rocking in a place, you know, wanting to go back to her 13-year-old self because apparently this 30 flirty thriving thing isn't all that great after all. (laughs) When the parents come home, they had been on like a cruise or something and they hear something in the basement and like the dad does bring an umbrella with him supposedly to like (laughs) beat the intruder and I really like Jenna getting the idea of using an umbrella as a defense mechanism from her parents that's obviously (laughs) something ingrained into her from her parents right (laughs) that's brilliant I did not notice that parallel but yeah it was a little word I'm like oh my god they're gonna think she's like a burglar or something and beat the shit out of her But no, they just open the closet and see that it's Jenna and she runs into their arms. And this was one of the saddest moments for me when she sees her parents for the first time again. And later on, she crawls into their bed. I was crying by this point. It's just those things you lose as you grow up. Over the years, you leave behind the people around you, your relationships with them, and even parts of yourself. But what you also lose is the comfort those relationships had granted you. And the idea of going back to look for it again is so heartbreaking, especially in your childhood home. Yeah, this is also 
another part of the movie that makes it really sad for me. It was a really touching scene where Jenna's obviously really upset and looks to her mom for comfort. And you're right, it's that feeling of wanting to go back to the way things were with people in your life when you were a child. And especially going back to a moment where simply your mother's care can make anything better. Yeah, and what I really love is that Jenna is surrounded by people who comfort her the way she needs. They humor her and they don't do it in a condescending way. They just, you can tell that they really care about her. Yeah, also they're probably like, oh my gosh, she's going through like a thing. She's having a breakdown. <laughs> Gotta... <laughs> at least at least it's an internal monologue. <laughs> but basically Jenna's mom comforts her. They have this conversation about whether they would go back in time if they could and erase their mistakes. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I'm, how I'm supposed to read that scene because to me it comes off as this, mother daughter that's grown distant and they're kind of talking around the subject jenna wants to ask her would you change me if you could would you turn back time and have me come out differently not into this woman who barely ever talks to you who is apparently pretty awful and the mom obviously says no but it's like a part of her is like Maybe she actually would say yes. Not in a malicious way, just in a, you know, I, maybe I want better for my daughter. Maybe, you know, I wish I had a better relationship with my daughter. It's just like, to me, that scene isn't just what it is on the surface, but it's a lot in the portrayal of the scene than it is in the dialogue. Yeah, that's what makes it great, I think, because in real life, people rarely say exactly what they mean. And there's a lot of history and baggage that Jenna is missing because for her, this change was instantaneous, but it's her parents who have gone through these 15 years growing distant from their daughter. So I think it's not unlikely that her mom would be wishing that things were different between them. For sure. So after a break at home, Jenna goes back to work. Yeah, and Poise is in a difficult position right now because their sales are really low, especially compared to their competitor, Sparkle. So they're going to do a redesign, which is basically a death knoll usually for magazines. And the editor-in-chief wants Jenna and Lucy to work on something together because they're usually a team um, and a pretty good one at that. But Lucy and Jenna have grown distant recently after Jenna overhears Lucy badmouthing her. And, you know, Jenna's in the middle of this crisis where she's trying to figure out who she is and who she wants to become. And she looks back at all of these yearbooks and gets inspired for the redesign. And I like that we get to see her being pretty good at her job. Like she has an almost natural affinity to it and has an innate skill and creativity. Yeah, and I like that the idea that she comes up with is sort of a combination of who she was before and who she is now. So because she gets inspired from her school life, this leads her to seek out Matt again because she wants to collaborate with him to take some photographs. Yeah, we get this whole sequence of her and Matt at the photo shoot. During this montage of scenes, we see them having razzles, which is a candy they used to have. And Matt mentions that he hasn't had razzles for maybe 15 years, which is the amount of time we know that he hasn't spoken to Jenna. So the fact that he hasn't had this candy oh my God. since he stopped being friends with Jenna 
just hurts. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. I didn't think of that. You know, adults might not necessarily go around searching for candy, but the fact that he mentioned 15... Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. I love candy. <laughs> Which brings me to my second point. I really want to try Razzles because I've never had them before and they look so good. <laughs> oh yeah, there's that one line. <laughs> yeah, it's a candy and also a gum. <laughs> Yeah, my favorite line actually, and maybe one of my favorite moments in this movie is when Jenna tells Matt, Maddie, I need to see your tongue. <laughs> it's so perfect. It sounds like a 13 year old. She like mumbles and trips over her words and her cadence is very useful. The acting is truly incredible. Yeah, Jennifer Garner, like we've mentioned before, she really embodies this very strange character <laughs> who's an adult on the outside and a kid on the inside. <laughs> yeah. But so these two are reminiscing and getting closer and closer and they keep getting more and more emotionally tangled. And they're basically having an emotional affair, right? Matt's emotionally cheating on his fiance, mm -hmm. but then they actually kiss. But you know what? Even if they didn't, I think it's the same. Either way, it's still so far from okay, especially less than two weeks from his wedding. I think they could still be friends. But the problem is that they took it way too far. They let this affair grow. Mm -hmm. I don't think there were any gray areas where you could argue it was a platonic relationship. Yeah, and I don't necessarily blame Jenna for this because once again, we know that she's 13 and mm -hmm. maybe she doesn't quite understand the direction that their relationship is taking. And maybe she's just far too caught up yeah. in the fact that she just wants to keep Matt around because he's her comfort person, he's her best friend. But I definitely blame Matt. <laughs> and I think this whole thing ruined his character for me. Up till that point, he he was just a kind and genuine guy. But like you said, there are, aren't really any gray areas. And I understand that this is a person he has a lot of history with and the relationship was broken off without any closure. But at some point, you have to catch yourself and take a step back, which he didn't. I wouldn't say that I think Jenna is blameless. So I know that's not what you're saying, by the way. But I do think she shares some of the blame. Like, yeah. even though she doesn't understand and she doesn't realize what's happening, it still happened and she still did it. Agreed. But we even get to see Wendy and Matt together. And, you know, when Wendy comes home early and surprises Matt and she even says what you were expecting someone else I think it is so obvious that he's cheating on her I just felt so bad for her and their relationship is clearly far from healthy they mm -hmm. don't seem to be on the same page about where they are Wendy really wants them to live in the same city and Matt doesn't seem to care about anything much less care about Wendy I don't think the movie's trying to paint Wendy as a bad guy though I'm not saying they completely avoided turning the other woman as a villain, but I don't think that they do either. They kind of go back and forth on it. There are some moments where it seems like we're supposed to see her as pretty, maybe demanding, maybe in, with the way she doesn't listen to Matt, but there are moments where you see that she's just kind of, she's a fine person. Like, I don't even know how the movie wants us to see her. I think part of the reason might be because... The movie itself doesn't really give much time to Wendy. We only ever see her when she's with Matt. But from what I can tell, 
I think the movie did avoid the stereotypical scornful woman because we could have easily had the story where Wendy is not okay with Jenna being back in Matt's life. But uh, she seems to trust Matt. Like I said, we only see her in the context of her relationship and we know Matt is not totally invested. And so I feel like this just reflects on Wendy's character. We're looking at her through Matt's lens. Yeah. But it's finally time to pitch the redesign idea. And Lucy's uh, worked on her own project and Jenna's worked on the one she's been working on with Matt. And I don't really love Lucy's pitch. I do actually think this idea can work and it has. It's a style and look that the industry has done many times, at times really well and with a positive outcome. We're looking at it from our perspective now, right? But when you look back at the 2000s, it's like stick thin women and this look specifically that Lucy's presenting was present at that time and well received. I'm saying like the people around her at Poise, I feel like they shouldn't have been that against Lucy's idea. It just to me, at the time, it wasn't even that outrageous, but I didn't love it. But I don't think Poise should have hated it as much as current me does. Yeah, you're right. Even earlier on in the movie, we see Jenna looking through Poise magazine and there are these very slender women and she points them out and says, I want to be like that. And her mom makes a comment, something along the lines of, they're not real women, sweetie, they're models. <laughs> Which is true. What she's saying isn't like the, the models aren't real women. She's saying that that's not how they actually look. Yeah, this is all fabricated. Yeah. But then we get to hear Jenna's pitch. Which is the polar opposite. Yeah. I honestly don't know if Jenna's pitch is good either. <laughs> Mm -hmm. What does her speech even mean in the context of a magazine redesign? I get the real women part of it, you know, partly inspired by what her mom told her when she was 13. But how does that look when applied aside from just real women? I can picture Lucy's idea clearly, but I don't know that I have a concrete idea of what Jenna's pitch looks like on the pages of a fashion magazine. It was really confusing to me. I had a similar impression. I'm not sure how the concept would translate to a fashion magazine with the nostalgia and the throwback in the class of 2004. I'm not really sure. The part that I think made her pitch weaker to me is she talks about how I want to breathe life back into the magazine. I want to bring up real joys and blah, blah, blah. But the point of a pitch is obviously that's the point of a redesign. You want to breathe life back into the magazine. What we want to know is how. <laughs> yeah, it was more emotionally driven than anything. And obviously it's supposed to be about her. Definitely in real life, this wouldn't exactly fly. <laughs> because, you know, in real life, it's more about how are we going to keep making money? How are we going to sell more copies? And her pitch doesn't really touch on that. Yeah, and Lucy's pitch actually shows what the magazine would look like. And, you know, Jenna has those visuals as well, but they're not... They're just like group pictures. I don't really... Yeah. It doesn't really make sense. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> anyway, Polly ends up loving her idea because, of course. But what happens is Lucy kind of screws her over. Yeah, Lucy finds out that Jenna has actually been leaking information to Sparkle, their competitor. And she basically makes a deal with the... The devil. <laughs> <laughs> 
she makes a deal with Sparkle where she sells Jenna's idea to them. And in return, she becomes Sparkle's new editor-in-chief. Yeah, which was the deal that adult Jenna had with them. And you know... From Lucy's perspective, I do get where she's coming from because to her, Jenna's had a history of unethical behavior and has turned out to be the mole. I don't think what she did, stealing Jenna and Matt's work and abandoning ship to go to Sparkle, a presumably unethical company in the first place, is right. But I understand her motivation and her anger is justified. Yes, and I like that she wasn't the mole this whole time because I think that would have made her into too much of a stereotype. But instead, what does happen is is that she has been trying to keep the magazine alive this whole time, but she abandons it at the last minute, which I think is pretty in line with her character. She's not necessarily malicious to begin with, but she does look out for herself before anything else. Yeah, and she's not much of a leader. She just kind of follows. Which is funny because she was the leader of Six Tricks. (laughs) Yeah, but also I think we get this line from Matt where he says, Jenna became the leader of the Six Tricks. And it was really interesting to me that insight of how Jenna even took over the six chicks from Lucy and Lucy was kind of her second and that's still the case until their 30s like Lucy followed her to poise and you know she just follows where Jenna goes and it's almost satisfying that Lucy gets to kind of break away from Jenna and become her own thing. Because like the six chicks is this adolescent group of popular girls or whatever. And it seems like they've all kind of found their own thing. Except Lucy has just followed Jenna to their adulthood. And now she finally gets to be free of the six chicks. So this whole story was about Lucy getting freedom. (laughs) This is Lucy's coming of age story. (laughs) Yeah, you can come of age at 30, it's okay. But Jenna is very upset by this development, obviously, and she rushes out of the office and immediately sees a poster on a bus that already has Matt's work (laughs) on it, and it's so impossibly fast that Sparkle already has that in circulation. (laughs) That part just took me out of the story. Yeah, it was a little bit juvenile almost, because you would expect things to happen this fast when you're a kid, but obviously it takes a lot more more work and time and effort than that. Yeah, maybe this is a sign that this is actually all happening in Jenna's head and it's not real. Oh my god. (laughs) I never actually considered the possibility that this was happening inside Jenna's head. Me neither. I always took it as reality, but maybe this is like one of those glitches in the Matrix, you know? (laughs) Anyway... (laughs) Breezing past. <laughs> Jenna is upset and she decides to go see Matt. Sounds familiar. <laughs> this whole movie is like something happens, Jenna is upset, she goes and sees Matt. And today it just happens to be on the day of his wedding. I have to say, the first thing I thought of when she goes into that room where Matt is getting ready is seeing Jenna in that house right before his wedding must make him want to shit his fucking pants, right? The woman he's been cheating with is suddenly here at the same place his bride and her family is on their wedding day. 
I would be panicking so much if I were him. Yeah, but though he doesn't look all that panicked at all. Yeah, he doesn't. Nerves of steel. <laughs> That's why I was like, aren't you freaking out? Maybe it was just that no one would see it as out of place that Jenna was at his wedding. See, that's the thing. I think this, out of anything, would be the most suspicious thing because Jenna wasn't invited. Can you imagine? It's right before your wedding and you're like, there's some woman in the groom's room that no one knows. <laughs> but Jenna makes a speech where she tells him Lucy is lying, that Jenna didn't screw him over, and she really cares about him. But part of the speech is Jenna telling him what an awful person she's become. And one line that stuck out to me was... I don't even know that person. And it makes sense because we know the truth of what happened to her. But in this moment, it feels a little like her not wanting to take accountability of what she's done. And I know she's referring to the things her adult self did, but what with this being the climax and her affair with Matt coming to a head, it's almost like she's lumping in that mistake with the awful things her adult self did, which isn't true. This Jenna is the one who let herself get involved with Matt to the degree that she did. I guess what I'm trying to say is that that line encapsulates my problem with how things shake out. It's less that she learns from her mistakes and more that she sees a cautionary tale happening out of her hands. I think it would have been more meaningful if instead she realizes that she was on the path of becoming this person and at least owning up to that much because she's like, I don't recognize that person. And she could have said like, but I understand that where I was 15 years ago, 17 years ago, that person that she was when she was 13 and disregarding Matt and thinking that the six chicks and other people's perception of her is, you know, the most valuable thing, that that's what led her to becoming this person. But she never even owns up to that. And she like does apologize kind of, but she still kind of pushes away that accountability to her adult self and the stranger that she's become. That's a really great point. I do feel sorry for her from her perspective. One day she's 13, the next day she wakes up as this awful person and she has no recollection of these things that she's supposedly done. But that doesn't change the fact that she is the one who did do them and the movie I think lays it out pretty clearly that the path that she set upon after her 13th birthday is what led her to this point but you're right she never really acknowledges it but not even just after her 13th birthday it's like yeah the path that she was already down basically has led her to this point I guess after her return to 13 we see that she's had a change of heart but it would have been more powerful to have heard her acknowledge this more explicitly especially in the speech because that's the whole point of the scene right mm -hmm. it's her realizing all of these things and supposedly owning up to it except that there are parts of the speech that completely negates that sentiment i do like matt's speech because he's right Everything he says is spot on. It's like these versions of them don't deserve the happily ever after with each other. They can move forward and turn their lives around and start working towards being better people. But they can't just magically get together and run away. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work the way a 13-year-old would think. There are no easy fixes. And this is the moment where Matt's more pragmatic point of view works for me. I think he sees everything that's happened for what it is now. Once again, Jenna is 13, right? So Matt obviously has 
a more adult perspective where he's able to see the big picture and as well as that he's got this baggage of 15 years that Jenna just doesn't have and so she is defaulting into her 13 year old behavior just like at the party where she was blaming Matt for driving the popular kids away she's defaulting to that behavior where she's pushing the blame away rather than reflecting on herself right. for a change and that would have been nice to see some character development there. Or maybe maybe that is the most realistic thing of all. But then what's the fucking point of this movie? She doesn't <laughs> realize that. True. It would have been a better payoff to have Jenna come to this realization. Or even like, you know, she does this and then Matt says his piece and then she's like, you know what, you're right. A part of me thinks maybe she didn't even really hear what he said. All she heard was his rejection. That's even worse. That means this movie doesn't finish <laughs> its... <laughs> then, why, then why did you make us watch this movie if you're not going to have her learn? That's what I'm saying. I wish this was about her learning from mistakes instead of just watching it happen to somebody else. Because, mm -hmm. you know, adult Jenna isn't her. She's right about that much. But it's about seeing that she did versions of those things when she was 13. It's like she did the kiddie versions of those things. And it's just like, if she keeps doing them, she'll do them when she's an adult and the consequences are much more dire. Yeah, you're right. So before she leaves, Matt actually shows her that he still has the dollhouse from all those years ago. When she was 13, she actually threw the thing at him in anger. But he still has it. And Matt is so clearly still hung up on Jenna. Yeah, and I assume when she threw it at him, it probably broke. But he put it all back together. Yeah. Oh, God, this poor guy. <laughs> So Matt gets married to Wendy, and in this version of the universe, it must be so shitty for Wendy to be married to a guy who cheated on her right before their wedding mm -hmm. and doesn't even seem to really be in love with her. I feel so bad for everyone in this alternate universe. Tragic all around. Lucy's editor-in-chief now, but with a project that wasn't her own and at a company that's disreputable. And can you imagine how much she's going to struggle in the future? Because she's obviously not at the level that she's pretending to be. So how is she even going to survive this job? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a 13-year-old Jenna could survive being an editor at Poise, so... <laughs> she needs to lend Lucy her copy of magazine editing for dummies. <laughs> yeah. But Matt and Wendy are trapped in an unhealthy marriage. Poise is most definitely getting shut down. And Jenna's lost her dream job and all her friends. It's just all looking pretty bad. Mm -hmm. Very bleak. And Jenna understandably breaks down crying. Yeah. And she's looking at the dollhouse. And the wind picks up some of the glitter and blows it onto her and takes her back to the 80s. And you know, I would think I'd find it hard to believe that the glitter is still on the dollhouse all these years later, except that glitter never gets out of anything, no matter how much you clean it. <laughs> so that's almost the most realistic thing of all. <laughs> we see that she's back to her birthday when she turns 13, and she leaves out of the closet and gives Matt a big old kiss. <laughs> and... 
we see that they get married when they're older. And it's a little weird to me that Jenna chooses to do a wedding in a similar venue as Matt's wedding to Wendy, <laughs> namely in the backyard. Though, I guess maybe that's just something Matt's family wants and that's the common denominator. <laughs> when I first saw it, I'm like, you must have such traumatic memories of this particular venue and, you know, look to a wedding why why would you choose that maybe we see her wearing the same wedding dress as wendy <laughs> <laughs> she she's actually changed her legal name to wendy and she's <laughs> she's so obsessed with this dream that she had <laughs> on her 13th birthday what if what if it's actually a time travel thing and the wendy she met was actually oh my god jenna <laughs> But yeah, I like how it ends well enough, but I wish we got a moment with 13-year-old Jenna contending with all that's happened to her. I wonder if she ever tells Matt about it, or if she even one day forgets or convinces herself that it wasn't real. I really wish we got some kind of consequence for this whole ordeal on her actual life. I think the lack of consequences is what brings the movie down for me. It's a little unsatisfying and like they just fall short of making an excellent movie. I think it would have been interesting if the conclusion was how you look back as an adult and don't recognize who you've become over the years. Because that's true as well, even when you aren't transplanted into <laughs> a different older body. Like sometimes there are just these choices and changes in your lives that it's just minuscule enough or slow enough that you don't realize it's changing you for the worse. You know, so it would have been interesting if that's what it was about, told through this kind of fancy story. And then working towards turning your life around. I mean, it's a little grim, but if she stayed in that life as a 30-year-old and slowly got herself together and learned from the mess she and her other self had made, I actually wouldn't have hated it. Maybe even like decades down the line, you see her and Matt meet again as the different people they've become once more and actually give a relationship a shot. Because you don't just stay the person you are at 30. You keep changing and this 30-year-old Jenna feels so much to me like a transition period. For that matter, so does 30-year-old Matt. They're at a time in their lives where they get to look around and see what they've made of themselves and unfortunately, they don't like who they've become in this movie. To me, one satisfying ending would have been them working towards being the people they want to be and one day meeting under better circumstances. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Lack of consequence is what makes this movie fall a little bit flat because near the end, we just see Jenna at this really low place and she doesn't have to do anything and she's just magically given a second chance so i think the movie was on the right track when they didn't have matt and jenna end up together magically and maybe it was the pressure of succumbing to the typical fairy tale happy ending where they have to end up together immediately that made them have this time travel back to the 13 year old Jenna but I think it would have made for a more interesting narrative and a much more satisfying story if like you said Jenna had not had this easy exit back into the past even though she doesn't remember that she's done these things it is her past actions that paved the way for the things that she's done now so it would have been a lot more satisfying for her to actually confront her mistakes and actively work to become a better person yeah and can you imagine if this rom-com had this really serious ending where she's stuck 
in this 30-year-old body. I think it would have taken it to a whole other level. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the predictability thing comes in because with this kind of genre, you expect that lighthearted, fluffy, happy ending, which is fine. I mean, it's fine to have that, but when it comes at the expense of the story, that's when it takes away from the quality of the movie a little bit. Yes, that is a great point. So... If they had defied the typical tropes of this genre a little bit and had the courage to keep Jenna at 30 and have her be a flawed human who needs to work on herself to achieve her happy ending, that would have been a lot more satisfying. Yeah, and you know, even if they still went with this easy exit and have her go back to being a 13-year-old, they could have still given her consequences. Mm -hmm. This must be so traumatizing. And like, again, it's the execution that matters, right? I think they could have done this in a better way that still dealt with consequences. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fine. Have her transport back. But I feel like maybe we were missing the reason why she transported back. Because yes, there was the wishing dust and everything. But it wasn't even a moment of realization that spurred on the transportation. <laughs> the magic. Yeah. <laughs> even when she's back, if she had had to make it up to Matt somehow, because she treated him really badly. Yeah, exactly. I feel like a kiss is not enough to make up for the way she treated him. So even if she had had to work there a little bit, it would have been more realistic. I wish we had gone one scene with her 13-year-old self where you see the gravity of what's happened to her and her actually taking serious steps to becoming a person who isn't who she'll become in that other universe because all we get is her telling off Tom Tom and kissing Matt which is a shorthand for the kind of scene that I'm looking for but this is a really important moment in the movie and I don't want a shorthand for it I want you to actually show me some depth and you know the fallout and the consequences yeah it was a little jarring as well the way they had her turn back to 13 and then seconds later she's 30 again <laughs> yeah so we don't ever get to see what leads to this changed Jenna at 30. Like, what does she change about herself apart from... Staying friends with Matt. Yeah, there's no realization on her part about popularity, about what's important in life. Yeah, I mean, she does have it, but we don't see it. Mm. They just imply it, and I wish they had shown us. Yeah. And it would have been so easy to just have a slightly longer montage where we see a progression of her life and have her, like, at different stages of her life doing different things. Instead, we get a couple of seconds of her and Matt's wedding, and then we see them moving into their new house together, which looks like the real version of Jenna's dream house. Oh yeah, it's so cute. It's all pink. Yeah, very cute. So, in conclusion, I do like this movie better now than I did as a kid. I think I just couldn't pinpoint what unnerved me and, <laughs> and why I was so terrified of this concept when I was younger. But now I can and I can appreciate the story it was telling even though it still, you know, made me pretty sad. And I can appreciate how well they crafted this relationship between Jenna and Matt and that's why it affected me so much. And I had a lot of fun with this movie. I think the highlight was Jennifer Gardner's acting and how much care this movie put into her character and the incongruity of these two parts of herself, her real age and the adult woman she's become. 
However, funnily enough, I don't think I would recommend this movie. I think the fact that the ending left me so unsatisfied really brought this movie down for me, like I said. You want some sort of progression mm -hmm. and you want that character development to be satisfying, which makes experiencing the whole story worthwhile. And I agree with you that this is missing in this movie, but I would still recommend it because while it's true that it lets itself down with the ending, I think there's still plenty more to enjoy in this movie. If you're gonna watch it, don't necessarily watch it for the story, but just watch it for the relationships between the characters, which I think this movie builds on beautifully. I think I would be more unsatisfied if the plot had played out the way it did, but I also didn't care for the characters at all. Yeah, and even if they're flawed and imperfect, you still care about them, and I love how they do that. Yeah. If anything, I think it's worthwhile giving this movie a chance just because of that reason. For sure. And I think, you know, I wouldn't recommend it just because it did what it did well too well. <laughs> <laughs> it, it gets your expectations up high and you want the ending to be just as good as it has been throughout. Yeah, exactly. And also just like, it still unnerves me the same way it did when I was a kid. And maybe to the general audience, sure, go check out this movie. But if you're in any way a crybaby like I am, <laughs> it's just too unnerving. I think it, it breaks my heart, <laughs> this movie. <laughs> scares me. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I had a lot of fun watching it though. I just, I guess what I'm saying is that I wouldn't watch it again. <laughs> Unless I need a really good cry. But if you're brave like me, then do go watch <laughs> this movie because it is worth it, more or less. <laughs> Next time, yes, we'll be discussing Confessions of a Shopaholic. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I am too. If you have any thoughts to share on the movie, send them in at graveyard underscore slot on Twitter and Instagram or email us at thegraveyardslot at gmail.com so we can share on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please read and review. Thank you for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of The Graveyard Slot. <laughs>